This is how our light will shine in the world, just as the light of God shone on the world by doing good, by doing those things that truly please God and bring Him glory. The Lord Jesus Christ glorified the Father throughout His entire life while here on earth by the good He did in so many different ways. He is our model to follow. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we will be talking about a gold lampstand. There are many symbolisms that were present in the ancient tabernacle that are still very relevant today. There were things that represented characteristics of God that should be seen in us in some way also. And this gold lampstand or menorah is one of the very important ones. God is the light of the world, and Jesus Christ said that we are to be light in the world also. According to the fullness of the scriptures, if we want to be saved and have eternal life, we must ultimately become like the Lord in many respects. Today's message is inspired on Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Blessed be your name, O Lord. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord God Almighty. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For you and only you are worthy to be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you always have mercy on us. Heavenly Father, help us to understand, Lord God, your message, your word that your Holy Spirit may minister to us, O Lord, and that we may have open hearts, Lord God, to receive what you wish for us to learn. Heavenly Father, help us to learn and understand that we are to be light in the world, as Jesus Christ was also light in the world. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, because you are truly good to us, O Lord, and you give us opportunities, Lord God, that we never deserved. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. This is the word of the Lord. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and the flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its sides three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches of the lampstand out of the other. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand. On the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and the knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece. All of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. 
and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. This scripture passage is the first time in the Bible where the gold lampstand is referred to after God had mentioned it to Moses on the mountain, where God instructs Moses on the design of it and how it should be made. It was the most unique piece ever known to man up to that point. We read that it was to be hammered out of one single piece of pure gold with various ornamental features. One of the details that stands out is that it had a total of seven lamps, three on each side and one in the center. Seven is the number for completeness and perfection. It's a divine number. For instance, creation took seven days. Even though God technically made the heavens and the earth in six days, God himself totals everything into seven days. He makes the day of rest part of the seven days of creation, as it is written. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. In Revelations chapter 5, we read that the Lord himself is defined by this number 7. He's described where it says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. There are many other references throughout the Bible about the number seven. It's a special meaning and how it refers to God himself. The second thing we can look at is the material the lampstand is made of, that it is made out of pure gold. Notice that it is not overlain with gold like many other things. Gold is for purity and representing the highest value of all material things created. Gold within itself, in its purest form, is very shiny, heavy, dense, and malleable material. And as we have come to know it closer to today, it is used in electronics, dentistry, medical tools, and the defense and aerospace and automotive industry. And so, it's not just something pretty or appealing as jewelry. It is highly versatile and useful in everyday life. Both of these aspects of the gold lampstand ultimately represent and symbolize God. God within himself is perfection, completion, and of incredible value, of course, far greater than whatever gold could ever be. But the idea is to convey what is of most value to us as people. Now the oil and the fire that would be present when this lampstand would be in use providing the light that it was meant to provide were symbolisms for the Holy Spirit of God, which is the third person of God. The Holy Spirit is what completes the picture, if you will, for the divine symbolism. After all, what good would the lampstand itself be if it didn't provide the necessary light it was supposed to? The gold lampstand was supposed to provide light within the tabernacle. It was to be placed on the south side in the holy place, opposite the table of showbread. Since the chamber had no windows, the lampstand was the only source of light. And what else do we know about light according to the Bible? That Jesus Christ is the light of men. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Other than light giving physical illumination to a certain location, what else does light mean? Light means life. It also means reason, as in relating to being rational, understanding, wisdom, and justice. God brings reason into all situations and circumstances. The Lord is also all understanding. He knows why everything is why it is. There is nothing hidden from him. God is the source for all wisdom and knowledge. And of course, God is completely and fully righteous. He is all justice. That is the light that God produces, if you will. Now with both the number seven and the light, we can start drawing parallels from the Lord and incredibly enough to ourselves, or at least the similarities we must have with him. For instance, from a global view, the universal church of Christ is composed of seven churches. And here is where we see the gold lampstand with seven lamps again, the menorah, but in the New Testament. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 20, we read this, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven gold lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. All of those that profess faith in Christ are the church, and in some way or form are part of these seven churches that is mentioned. And so we as a group, as a church, or as part of these seven churches, we are to reflect the characteristics of God. We are to show the Lord to come to that perfection as a group together. That is God's goal for us. When God and the world sees us as a church, they're supposed to see us collectively resemble God in his perfection and completion. And having said that, we are called to be light. The Lord Jesus Christ said this plainly about us being light in the world, where the scriptures say this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's look at this for a moment. We saw before that light means life, reason, understanding, wisdom, and justice. So if the Lord says that we are to be light, like he is light, then that means that we as the collective church of Christ, we are to possess the same characteristics. We are supposed to exhibit life. We're supposed to introduce reason into the world where the darkness of irrational thought is. We are to bring understanding in all situations and circumstances. The church is supposed to possess the eternal wisdom of God. And of course, we are to practice justice, to right the wrongs, Having said all of that, I would then be compelled to ask, is the universal church of Christ portraying all of those things? Are we exemplifying God's characteristics and being light to a dark and lost world? Is the collective group exhibiting life, reason, understanding, wisdom, and justice? I would unfortunately have to say that we as a group, as observation, are not doing our job. Why can I say that? because there's more darkness in the world than light. I really don't like saying this, but much of the church of Christ is exhibiting the same darkness that is in the world than the light it should be. 
This is how it works. The church is ultimately made up of people. The church within itself has nothing to do with buildings, organizations, and so on. It's all about people. And more importantly, about people that profess to believe and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So we as a group show what we show based on what people show. If the church is not being light in the world, then that means that there are more people still in darkness within the church than those exhibiting light. What is the measure of things? The passage we just read said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our light as a church should be the sum of our works. You see, we can't talk about reason, understanding, wisdom, and or justice unless there is some sort of action involved. These are things that can only be shown or exhibited through works. That's why one of the fundamental flaws in a lot of Christian doctrine today is the notion that works do not matter after coming to Christ because they base their flawed concept on the understanding that if we cannot be saved by works, then works have no value either before coming to faith in Christ or after. They also make the assertion that salvation cannot be kept by works. From certain points of view, these things are true. We are not saved by works, but only through faith and grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, based on what he did on the cross for us. But works are an intricate part of our faith in Christ. We are not saved through good works, but rather we are saved for good works, to perform good works, and if certain works are not present in our lives, then there is something wrong with our faith. That's how we get to what really happens or what should happen in our lives. If a supposed follower of Jesus Christ is not seeking after the things of God, if they are not looking to do God's will on earth and looking to be more like the Lord through the daily walk, then how will they ever come to be God's light, life, reason, understanding, wisdom, and justice in this world? I'll take it a step further. If a person in general is more concerned with fulfilling their will rather than looking to fulfill God's will, then how will God's will be done on earth? Do you see where the problem lies? This is why we ultimately have more darkness than light as a universal church of God. Because at the individual level, there are more people seeking to do what they want to do than what God wants us to do. And so there is more sin than anything else because any kind of deviation from the Lord is sin. Sin doesn't just mean killing another person. Sin means literally missing the mark. And if we as a collective group that call ourselves Christians are not following Christ, are not doing as he did, then we as Christians by definition are failing and certainly missing the mark. This is why there is more darkness than light in the world. Because most people are only worried about number one, themselves, and are not concerned with seeking after and doing God's will. And why should they? When you have an overwhelming group of instructors, if you will, telling them day in and day out that all they have to do is just believe in Christ and that's it. And that only based on this is that they will go to heaven because nothing else is required. You have some people telling others that since God is so good that he will probably just forgive everyone in the end and no one will be lost. And so what happened to repenting and converting from all sins? What happened to abiding and remaining in Christ? What happened to doing good works so that true faith can be seen? So people can in fact 
glorify God because of our actions, our good works. The problem is that there is counterfeit light in the universal church. And that's why there is still so much darkness in the world, because the church is not doing its job in general. There are many things being taught in different places that sound like the truth, because they are supported on bits and pieces of scriptures, but do not agree with the fullness of the scriptures. Here is something that everyone needs to understand. In order for a doctrine to be sound, to be taken as God's truth, it must agree fully with all of the word of God, not just bits and pieces. Who is ultimately the author of this confusion? Satan, of course. If we look back at when the devil tempted Christ, we see that he tried to tempt him by using certain portions of scripture to make his temptation to the Lord seem biblical. In Matthew chapter four, we read the following. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. To the person that does not know the scriptures well, it sounds about right. But this is what the word of God really says in Psalm 91, where he is taking bits and pieces from. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. If you compare both, you would see that it is not exact and that the intention of that part of the scripture has nothing to do with a person throwing themselves from the top of a building, but rather as they walk daily following God through the various circumstances and challenges they might face along the way. And so, if we revert back to doctrines that sound like the truth, there are many people guided by Satan, by demons, and by their own sinful desires that take pieces of scripture to substantiate deceit and lies. For instance, are we saved by grace and faith alone and not by works? Yes. In order to be saved, we can never be good enough on our own. We need what Christ did on the cross for us. But once a person is saved, they need to fulfill the purpose to do those things God made them for to begin. For it is written, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. But for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see, we were created in Christ Jesus, but for a purpose, for good works. There is a purpose for our salvation. There are things that we must do in order to fulfill the purpose for why we were saved. Because if we don't fulfill that purpose, then there is no salvation. Faith without works is dead. For it is also written, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So we clearly see that faith or belief by itself without any good works cannot produce salvation. If a person does not obey God and does not look to do God's will on earth, no matter how much they say that they believe in Christ, they will not be saved. We have to be about the Father's business. We have to do God's will. Our purpose here on earth, the reason for why Christ died on the cross, was not so that we could just live life according to our own will and desire. We were designed, created, made, and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, saved so that we can live under the Lord and do His will, not our will. Let's look at Paul's conversion for a moment. In Acts chapter 19, it tells us this when Paul came to faith in Christ. It says, Then Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Paul was carrying out his will, what he thought was right when persecuting the Christians. But when he was confronted by the Lord, there was a complete change in direction. When Paul asked who he was and Jesus responded to him, he understood that his will had to stop and that the will of the Lord needed to be done as we read. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's quite clear. Paul changed, repented, turned away from his evil ways instantly and acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus Christ right away and sought after what the Lord wanted him to do. And this is how Paul became light in the world. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples and instructs those of us that choose to follow him. This is how we become light. By doing God's will, by doing good works and looking to fulfill his purpose and desire for our lives and not by looking to do whatever we want to do. This is how ultimately a person abides in Christ and how they will be found justified before God Almighty but not just by saying that they believe, but by showing through their good works that Christ in fact lives in their lives so that God may be glorified. For it is also written, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men. And so we need to aim to be pleasing to God as part of our faith in Him because we will be judged for our actions. God is love, but He is also a terrible, fearful, and awesome and holy God. 
His love is shown through His grace and mercy by giving us opportunities that we have no right to. But His terror is shown through His judgment because there is a liability, a responsibility for the truth. And if a person does not do his will, the penalty will be great. Eternal damnation. This is not a game. God can never be taken lightly. We need to endeavor to look for his truth and understand it and never try to manipulate his truth to our liking or convenience. For Jesus himself said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. If a person just looks to do whatever seems convenient to them and does not adhere to what the scriptures say in their entirety, they will never be light, and like that, they will not attain salvation. God is no fool. People will lose if they choose to treat God as a fool. For it is also written in Galatians chapter 6, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. This is how our light will shine in the world, just as the light of God shone on the world, by doing good, by doing those things that truly please God and bring Him glory. The Lord Jesus Christ glorified the Father throughout his entire life while here on earth by the good he did in so many different ways. He is our model to follow. And the only way we will know what we should do is by studying the scriptures, by looking to understand his will through them. For it says, all scripture, not just some, but from Genesis to Revelation, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us strive to be the light that God wants us to be, for his honor and glory, for the good of our neighbor, and so that through that we can attain the eternal life and eternal reward that God has for those that love him. It is of the utmost importance to understand that we need to be light in this world. God intends for each one of us to be light in the world, to shine in the darkness, so that others can come to see His light through us. Why is this important? Because God desires not just for some people to be saved, but for all to have at least the opportunity to be saved. For it is written, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So this is where we see his love, his grace and mercy. And that even though we all sinned, it says, For God so loved the world, not just some people, but God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that 
whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God ultimately wants for his salvation to be through the ages, for all generations, until this world ends, because this world and everything in it will end. We have his word, his gospel today, because of those faithful apostles and all of those that followed after them that decided for Christ and chose to be light in the world for the glory of God and so his truth could reach us today. We need to choose to be light in this world so that we can continue doing God's will and others after us can come to know him and carry on with his will. That is, for instance, the whole point of this ministry. That is why we dedicate ourselves to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world, because that is what God would have us do as we endeavor to do his will while here on earth. We're not perfect, but we seek to do those things that we believe are his will because of his love, because of what he has done for us, and because we believe that one day, not too far from now, every single person will stand before his mighty throne and give an account for the truth God has shared with them and what they chose to do with that truth. For it is written, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. God will judge every single person and he will judge according to his word, whether or not we loved him with everything we are. And if we loved our neighbor as ourselves, whether we set out to do his will or to do our own will, whether or not we had good intentions or evil and selfish intentions. For it also says in Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So for your own good and sake, choose to be light today in the world by obeying the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to understand, to be completely convinced that we need to have more than just faith in our lives. But there must be obedience. There must be fear and reverence for you, Lord God. There must be love for you, Lord. There must be a desire to do your will on earth. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to be light in this world because there are so many people that need of your light. Heavenly Father, help us to understand, O Lord, that we need to serve you. That's why we were made, we were created, and that's why we were saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not saved by good works. We cannot be saved by our own merits. Now that we have been saved through Jesus Christ, a purpose for our salvation is to accomplish your desire, your will, Lord God, to do those things that truly please you. Because when we do that, Lord God, then we will attain the salvation that you have for us. Help us to understand that with all of our hearts and to look for you, Lord God, and to do what is pleasing before you. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website 
If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.